Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Let's stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word. The next day, since he wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews, he released him and instructed the chief priests and all the Sanhedrin to convene. Then he brought Paul down, placed him before them. Paul looked intently at the Sanhedrin and said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience until this day. But the high priest Ananias ordered those who were standing next to him to strike him on the mouth. Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. You are sitting there judging me according to the law. In violation of the law, you are ordering me to be struck. And those standing nearby said, Do you dare revile God's high priest? I did not know, brothers, that he was a high priest, Paul replied. For it is written, You must not speak evil of a ruler of your people. When Paul realized that one part of them were Sadducees and the other part were Pharisees, he cried out to the Sadducees, Brother, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. I am being judged because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and Sadducees, and they assembled. the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection and no angel or spirit, but the Pharisees affirmed them all. The shouting grew loud, and some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party got up and argued vehemently, we find nothing evil in this man. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? When the dispute became violent, the commander feared that Paul might be torn apart by them and ordered the troops to go down, rescue him from them, and bring him back into the barracks. Father, thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have to be here today on this beautiful Lord's Day, God, this Sabbath day. Thank you, Father, that you are so faithful to us, Lord, and everything that we've needed all of our, our struggles, our battles, Lord, we have had the promise of Scripture that if we cast them on you, Lord, your yoke is easy, your burden's light. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would... Lord, I pray that in all things you might be preeminent, God, and that you would bring ones, as they hear the word today, allow the Holy Spirit to open their hearts that they may receive the word, God, and come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray above all, Lord, that we would be overwhelmed with the wonder, God, of all cross for us as we grow and conform into his likeness. Lord, let us not grow weary in doing good. And Lord, we just commit all this to you, and we ask this, and we thank you. In the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, the last uh, verse of chapter 22 again, it says, In the next day, since he wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews, he released him and instructed the chief priest and all the Sanhedrin to convene. Then he brought Paul down and placed him before them. And this leads to the first thing that I want to share with you this morning, and it is this. God will place you before audiences once thought impossible. Again, we see this theme over and over. God will put you 
at the perfect place at the perfect time. But the question is, are you going to be willing to hear it? And are you going to be willing and I be willing to be led when God places those opportunities before us? And that's the question you have to ask yourself. It's wonderful to sit back and sing Kumbaya as you get excited at church on Sunday mornings. It's really exciting to come in here and to get all wound up, spiritually speaking, to hear a good song, a good hymn. Maybe you're driving home from church and you listen to praise and worship and you get all excited. But the question becomes, is that overwhelming euphoria going to translate into obedience and doing what God has called you to do as he leads us to ministry opportunities, even in the midst of being wrongly accused of something, as Paul's being, what is that going to equate with you? How does that play out? Do you not see the forest for the trees? Because why? The forest is there, but you begin to see the trees as these opportunities that have come up and arisen against you, and now you're mad at God because how could you let this happen? And I'm going to be honest with you, that's the response more often than not from Christians when adversity comes, instead of having the Joseph mindset, instead of having the Paul and the Silas and the Stephen, and I can go on and on and on. Do you really believe that God is who God is? Do you really believe that the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has the power to do what God promises that it will do. Do you really believe that God can do anything? So if you are wrongly accused of something, instead of seeing that as a method with which you need to get out of and a scenario that has become unfavorable to you, and you are in no way going to stand for this injustice, or do you begin to see it for what it really is, is a ministry opportunity that is unprecedented, and you are going to allow the power of God to be practiced in your faith in demonstration versus the rejoice on Sunday, God, no matter what comes, I love you. And then Monday, when that actually happens in real life, you clam up, you grab an attorney, and you start screaming injustice. Yes, yeah, the injustice, the injustice of the kingdom of heaven in allowing God to use that situation for his glory, even though we cannot see it, we can't see any purpose, any rhyme, or any reason for suffering like that, for something that we did not do that has the opportunity to completely tarnish everything about your quote-unquote good name. What about the good name of Christ and how God wants to use this? I remember when... Um, COVID hit, you know, and you had, and it, John MacArthur, grace to you. I remember reading the news story about it, but you know, they threatened to put uh, Gavin Newsom, the, the governor of uh, California, threatened to put him in jail. And I'll just be honest and tell you what John MacArthur's response was. He wasn't scared. You know, they fined them millions and millions of dollars. You know what the, out, you know what the final uh, deal was, right? They not only had to pay him back, they had, it was really big time. They, they financially had to drain the bank to pay back the church because they were ruled against. It was wrong. See, I love the fact that John MacArthur stood faithful to Scripture, stood faithful to truth, stood faithful to God's Word, and demonstrated that in fearless defiance of what was trying to be done, which was to shut down the ability for them to have a viable ministry 
in light of something that for that sh- past that short little time that we all did, there was no reason to keep churches shut. People are dying and going to hell. And by the way, I'm hearing rumblings about now, uh, I'm hearing some rumblings about it. They've already told um, the Border Patrol and a few of the governmental agencies that in middle September, they're thinking about having instituting a lot of these protections again because of the rise of COVID. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you something. It is demonic. It is straight from you know where and not from heaven. It is the enemy trying to do nothing more than to bind our society in fear. But God is not a God of fear, of, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Amen? And you can allow yourself to be bound in fear, and you can run there until they've shot you so full of shots that you grow green hair and are radioactive. It doesn't matter. But ultimately, at the end of the day, church, God is bigger than all of the foolishness that the world tries to catch us in. And what do we know about Scripture? Because this is what I always question in. God is not a God of, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. I'm not going to be caught captive in that stuff. Now, listen, if the, what is it, um, Ebola? If Ebola is a real deal and it pops in America, you might see me hibernate for a minute or two. Amen? Yeah, until the initial hemorrhagic fever is not something that I find that a very calming experience. I would be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove in it, though. You would be wise in that, but you're not going to ultimately allow fear to take control of you so that you're completely bound and paralyzed to do what God's called you to. And that's so important because God will place you before audiences once thought impossible, but you've got to have the spiritual, are you truly what you say you are? And I think that is very important when it comes to growth spiritually, when it comes to preventing yourself from being a victim of a fear-mongering mentality in a culture, you've got to be in God's word and you have to be rooted in it because if not, you will fall for that stuff and it will be one after another after another. I have some people at church here who have family members that are so overwhelmed in fear. They don't want to leave the house. They're scared for everybody to leave the house because they've been caught in some certain, uh, there's some uh, certain movements that literally keep everyone bound in, in complete and utter fear. You know, you can't go to the store because they've got, you know, radioactive magnets that are pulling your brains out. Just really weird stuff. And it's sad because, you, you know, you and I might laugh at that kind of thing, but there's people that believe that stuff. And it's sad because it leaves them a victim of the enemy's love for fear. Fear is not something that you want to have a part of. God will place you before audiences. God is the author of life. God does not, it, nothing catches God by storm. And I love the fact that one day when my death happens, it will not be any surprise to him. And I'm thankful for that because I know God is faithful and I know that he'll do what he promises to all the way down to Psalm 23. At the end there, when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil for thou art with us. God is right there in the midst of it with us. And then listen to verses one through three again. It says, Paul looked intently at the Sanhedrin and said, brothers, I have lived my life before God in all conscience until this day, in all good conscience until this day. But the high priest Ananias ordered those who were standing next to him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. You're sitting there judging me according to the law, and in violation of the law, you're ordering me to be struck. Number two, don't fall for the traps designed to destroy your testimony. Those are hard, aren't they? Because you're at work, 
and you've shared about how much you love the Lord or you've invited people to church and you're just going on living life and then something happens. Maybe it's on a day that you've just had a bad day. You're having a hard time. Anybody in here never fight the, the urge to get sideways and get, get fired up? Nobody? You don't ever fight it? Good. I, anybody ever fight the urge? Yeah. It, it's tough, isn't it? Especially, for me, it's especially when someone else is being done wrong. That's when I have the hardest time. Because if you have a protector personality, you want to go to bat to go to protect somebody who's being wrongly done. And that the thing about it is, it's a very strategic thing that has to be done to maintain your testimony and go to bat for somebody at the same. And, and the, the, the scary part about it is, there's a very fine line. Very quickly, can you completely ruin and mar your testimony and remove every word you ever said for the kingdom and actually do great damage to the kingdom? Because what the first thing that happens once you leave and you've said something or done something you shouldn't have, the first thing that happens when you walk out that door, you ready? I thought they were a Christian. I just said it the way they said it. They have that southern, I thought they were a Christian. And you spend the next five or ten years trying to get back what you in one moment with one misplaced sentence did. Don't fall for these traps because they're designed to walk you. By the way, nobody else has to do it. You're the one that walks in to the trap, buys it hook, line, and sinker, and then as you walk out, I thought they was a Christian. Don't buy. Don't bite the bait because the only thing you end up looking like, has anybody seen what's been happening with fishermen out there in the ocean? They've been pulling in their fish, and there's a head, and a lot of them are, the other half's gone. A lot of the sharks have been, I guess they've realized that these fishermen, they're online, so they go after, they wait for fishing boats, they stay around them, and they have learned that that's an easy meal. So by the time the fish gets up to the top, it's what was a fish, the mouth on there with the rest of it having been in one nice bite, gone. That's what we end up looking like to the people. We look like a fool. We look like some anomaly, and we end up destroying our testimony. Stay away from those traps, because they are just that. They are traps designed by the enemy. To so we do more damage to the kingdom than the enemy's forces can do attacking us individually. Greatest thing that he can use us in doing is for us to use, be used as a pawn with which we destroy the kingdom work. And the thing about it is it's one of the most effective tactics. It's another when someone comes externally because it's easy to see that for what it is. But when he uses us amongst ourselves to do that work, that is a, a very sad thing that we can prevent from happening. We just have to remain in prayer. We have to be faithful as we are in God's word, as we're preparing, as we're armoring up. We even need to think about situations like that and when they're presented to us so that we think rationally and reasonably when our emotions get triggered so that we do not default to destroying our testimony even inadvertently. Now listen to verses 4 through 10 again. 
It says, and those standing nearby said, do you dare revile God's high priest? I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, replied Paul. For it is written, you must not speak evil of a ruler of your people. When Paul realized that one part of them were Sadducees and the other part were Pharisees, he cried out in the, cried out in the Sanhedrin, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of a Pharisee. I am being judged because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say there was no resurrection and no angels or spirit, but the Pharisees affirmed them all. The shouting grew louder. And some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party got up, argued vehemently, We find nothing evil in this man. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? When the dispute became violent, the commander feared that Paul might be torn apart by them, ordered the troops to go down, rescue him from them, and bring him into the barracks. So leads the third and final thing that I want to share with you this morning. That is this. Let the foolishness of those against you be their own undoing. When Paul recognized that he was being disrespectful to the high priest, he immediately dealt with that. He even, look at him, he really apologized in front of all of them. Very wise move. He was preventing the ability for them to say, look, you've been disrespectful. You call yourself a Christian, right? He removed the ability for them to do that. And when confronted with what was wrong, Paul quickly wanted to fix this. Interesting, just something to help you understand this. You think about the Pharisees, the followers, the rule followers, and the Sadducees, the difference between those two. Don't forget, remember, the Pharisees believe in the resurrection and angelic beings. The Sadducees do not. That's why they are sad, you see. Keep that in mind. It's a good way to remember those two. The Sadducees, they don't believe in it. doesn't make sense to me. I mean, what do you believe in? But they... They have a whole list of things they do believe in, but Paul capitalized on this moment. Hey, what a great ability, right? Let's just cause infighting amongst themselves. And then Paul injects this statement and then basically steps back and allows that to commence. That's where the Bible talks about when you're confronted, where you're testifying, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak, and God gave him the words to speak beautifully. And this foolishness that was, that was going on in front of him had, again, nothing to do with truth. That's the thing that we are, see resoundingly in each one of these things. There was no basis for the attacks that were coming against them. The same is true with us. Don't give them fodder. Don't give them ammunition. The enemy, don't give people the ability to rightfully accuse us of something that we did as opposed to the lies that they were manufacturing. It's just this, honestly, it's the basic old country gossip at play. That's what we see right here. How many times have you heard these salacious rumors in your community? Anybody? All you've got, oh, the rest y'all? You got any time? I can tell you the ones that have just in passing Heard people talking about it. Anybody want to hear? I'm not going to say it. You know what I'm talking about. There's salacious rumors that swirl on any given day. How does it happen? Get a circle of, what, 10 people? Tell them one little thing and let that go around that circle. And You ever done that? You ever heard what comes out the other end? You ever wondered, how in the world did you get that? It's the same thing as a policeman when somebody comes up and says, oh, I witnessed a crime. 
You got five different witnesses. Wonderful. We'll surely be able to nab them. Oh, it was a white male that looked like a unicorn. And then you have this person over here who had a black t-shirt, uh, green shorts, and uh, barefooted. The other person, oh, they had Nike high tops on. They had underwear on and a, a, a one of those tank tops. How did all of you see something different? But that's what happens, isn't it? One of those things that I always learned from this, you got to be very careful with the human mind. Amen? I say that to say this foolishness, you don't want to get caught in. You don't want to be baited in foolishness, much less you don't want to be baited into gossip and slander because there's very real victims at the other end of your tongue. Amen? What is the scripture talk about with the rudder? You got this little rudder that it makes this big ship. The tongue is just like that. But the sad thing about it is, you know, if a ship runs aground or something happens, all right, there might be a loss of financial, but your tongue can cost somebody their lives. There's people that take their lives because of lies and gossip and slander and rumors. It ruins people. So we've got to be careful. We're watching the instance right here. Ultimately, Paul loses his life because of lies and slander. He literally loses his life. Now, was that above God's ability to stop? No. God could have stopped it. But from day one, God said of Paul, hey, you're going to see how much this guy's going to suffer for my name. He was literally an ambassador for the kingdom that ultimately laid down his life for the kingdom. And God's call to us is, hey, are you a living sacrifice? What is a sacrifice? It costs us. Are you waking up every day? God, I don't know where you want me. I don't know what your purpose or your plan is today. God, use me for your glory. God, open doors that I could never open. Father, give me wisdom that I could never, Lord, keep me desperate for you. Anybody in here believe that you could ever grow apathetic or grow cold spiritually? Raise your hand if you think, you know what, there's no way I'd ever grow cold or don't, don't raise your hand. I'll give you a little insight in that. There's not a person in here that's immune from that, including myself. The Bible talks about the deceitfulness of what hardens your heart? Three-letter word starts with an S, ends with an N. Sin. Take heed. The deceitfulness of sin can harden your heart. How does it begin? I say this week in and week out, incremental compromise. Remember what I told you about putting a grain of sand or putting a marble inside of a jar? Would take forever, wouldn't it? Doesn't take forever. Compound interest, remember what I talked about? A little bit of savings. When I was 18 years old, my uncle told me if I'd put $200 a month, by the time I was 65 years old, I'd have a million or a million and a half dollars. Now, I'll just be honest with you. When you're 18, back in 1990, whatever it was, $200 a month is an insane amount of money. I didn't have that much money disposable at that age. But he was right. It's the miracle of compound interest, right? You know what that is, right? You put a little bit in, your interest, and it compounds. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the next thing you know, in those last like five or 10 years, it is going up tremendously every month. The sad part, that's what incremental compromise masters. Compound, it's called the principle of compounding. Compounding. But it's a compound interest of sin Versus a compound interest of 
godliness, holiness, righteousness. But by the way, let me give you the other parallel. The other parallel is the spiritual principle also works the other way. Where if you spend time in God's word, we're going through experiencing God in our classroom right now. It's an awesome study. If you haven't done it, it's Blackaby. If you've never gone through Henry Blackaby's experiencing God, I encourage you to do that. Because what it talks about is, as you spend time in God's word, you have a great, and spend time in his presence and in time of fellowship, you know what it does? It gives you a greater thirst for him. As you delight yourself in truth, as you delight yourself in him, he gives you a greater desire for him. So you seek him with a greater passion, a greater fervor, and a greater passion like nothing can, never you can even imagine that. But the sad part is, Somebody will read the Bible for a month and then they'll go, you know, I just don't feel it. I just don't feel it like that. And they give up. Anybody ever, how many uh, love stories in here, when you met that spouse, you disdained them? Come on, be honest. There's nobody in here with that love story. Are you joking? Come on, get honest. Anybody in here didn't like their spouse? When you met him? Oh, for crying out loud. Everywhere else I asked that, people are like, couldn't stand him, couldn't stand her. Well, I'll tell you the stories about him. I have one friend. She actually said he's the ugliest thing I'd ever seen in my life. She was much older than he was, too. Dear friend of mine. He was just in love with her. He was like a lost puppy, and he was bound and determined, and they were both believers. And you know what? They've been married like 40-some years now. But she said, I, and still admits it today, I could not stand him. Ugliest man I'd ever seen. God had, and God had other plans in the works. And that beautiful thing about what God desires to do. If God's desire is for it to happen, as you delight yourself in him, it's going to happen. Oh, I just met, I just remembered somebody in here didn't. <clears throat> I'm not going to out you this morning, but you got to come clean next time. It is amazing, church, how as you seek God's will, God's will becomes your will. Even if it's something you're struggling with, maybe it's reading the Bible, it's not your, you know, you're having a hard time with it. And I want to tell you this morning, if that's your thing that you're struggling with, you're having a hard time praying, you're having a hard time reading, whatever it might be, I want to encourage you to just keep doing it. I don't care how hard it is, just keep doing it. Because if you keep doing it, what's going to happen is God's going to pour out his thoughts to you. It's scripture after scripture I could give you on this. But test a minute. Start saying, God, I'm just not here with it. I'm going to read begrudgingly. You think that's too much for God to deal with? What God will do is give you a heart for what he desires if we are merely faithful. Seek him with all of your heart. The Bible says this, I will be found. Do you think that Paul, standing like he does, as in our story, day in and day out, week in and week out, hour by hour, persecution, beatings, we're going to go into the shipwreck soon. I love that story. Could you imagine where literally it is one after another after another uh, is that old a series of unfortunate events. 
Do you really believe that Paul was just kind of quasi, you know, I'm just doing this Christianity thing. We'll see what happens. There's no way. Because how in the world could he have ever stood the test of time and the test of faithfulness had he not been truly anchored, sold out, wanting nothing more than God's will? Are you this morning 100% sold out, wanting nothing more than God's will? Is your desire this morning to have the Holy Spirit speak in your life, to your life, to the intricacies all the way up to the big decisions in your life that you have to make? I know if you're like myself, you need God. Uh, yesterday, uh, passed a, um, where they're giving out food at churches, what they call those, the um, food giveaways. That right there alone, the number of people at these tells me that things are not real good right now for people. Anybody seen some of the lines at those passing? A lot in there. Do you think that that right now, people in those lines are going, man, there is so much hope and it's just so amazing with our culture. Anybody? Would you, with the interactions that you have with people on a daily basis, are you dealing with people that are battling hopelessness? I know I am. I, every Monday and Tuesday, I speak with people that are really struggling, coworkers that are having tough times and struggling. They're having really difficult life circumstances, whether it's financial or relational, and they just really don't know what to do. This is not a time right now where, you know, even the financial sector, if you read anything about, go buy a house right now. I'm not even talking about the price of the house. We're actually getting about halfway to where it was in the late 70s. Y'all remember this? When home interest rates were at 20%, right? What are they talking about right now? In home interest rates at about 8%? Can you imagine borrowing two hundred to $400,000 at 8%? Just a couple years ago, it was at 2%. You're looking at four times the amount of interest to buy a home. You don't realize, for someone who doesn't have a home that has a family that needs a home, that can make that completely unaffordable. If that is something that gives you the warm and fuzzy feelings and makes you feel good, you've got something wrong with you. That makes the, the climate a climate of uncertainty. The same way right now, politically, it's a time of uncertainty. You look at the geopolitics, global political scene, this is nothing that gives you the warm and fuzzy feeling unless you're a sold-out follower of Jesus Christ because you have nothing to worry about. He is never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. We have the promise of God and his word to do what he says he will do. Height, more depth, angels, principalities, nothing in all of creation will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter what happens, Psalm 23 at the end there is going to be true. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And by the way, at the beginning of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Makes me lie down in green pastures. We covered that just a couple of weeks ago. And how awesome it is to know that the God of creation is going to lead us beside still waters. He's going to put us down in green pastures so that we don't have to worry where our next day is going to come from or our next week is going to come from. God's already got it under control. Do you truly believe that? If so, it should bring you an overwhelming peace. And in the uncertainty of our culture, it should give you something to be able to speak with coworkers, neighbors, friends, 
or that person that you run into that's scared to death because they don't have a clue what they're getting ready to do for the next meal, much less, they're not worrying even about the next house payment because that's so far off and unable to be done. They're worried about how they're gonna put food on the table. I read this morning that in 2023, by the, third or f- by the fourth quarter, that the savings that Americans had that they had saved up from the stimulus money is almost gone. And it said the percentage of people now that are putting their basic, listen to what I just said, basic needs on credit cards. <clears throat> Church, you know what that is? That's a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for disaster because in town here, there's these, I call them legalized thieves. If you work for one, I'm sorry. But those people that charge 20, 30% interest for payday check loans, whatever you call those things, cashing, check cashing places, they're criminals. I'm just gonna be honest with you. They prey on the poorest of the poor, but they are full. You go by those places, people are in there. They're, they're struggling. They don't know what they're gonna do. They don't know how they're gonna make ends meet. And you need to be lifting up in prayer because there's much opportunity to minister to people who right now feel very hopeless. Amen? But we've got to be spiritually on our A game. We've got to be willing to be paying attention. We've got to be willing to be speaking into the lives of people because we took the time to be aware of it in the first place instead of disconnected. It's really easy to be disconnected. Why? Because everybody's foul now. You go into a... a, a, fast food restaurant, they'll finish their phone call before they serve you, right? People are rude, people are dis, and it's really easy to get so upset that you miss the opportunity to even be present in the moment. I have to actively, I have to actively push myself, and do I forget sometimes? Yes, I do, and I disconnect, because if not, I tend to want to get upset, because there's just certain things that people should do naturally, right? but they're not doing it. And you've got to get to the mindset of recognizing that this is a different time in history. We still have a call as followers of Christ, though, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. This morning, are you going to allow the Holy Spirit to speak? Whatever need there is, whatever battle you have, whatever struggle it is, most of all, are you willing to let God take you from where you are to what he wants to do in and through you? Let's pray. Father, thank you, God, for the privilege. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart and today you would like to make him not only the savior, but the Lord of your life. First, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a savior and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and Savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you wanna live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.